0: This week on Pointing the Way with Pastor Shad Smith. Welcome to Pointing the Way, a ministry of the Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. We pray you will find direction for living We look into the Word of God today. This morning I'm preaching on this
1: subject, a spiritual pep talk from a pastor to his people. A spiritual pep talk from a pastor to his people. I call these verses here, this portion of the sixth chapter of Hebrews, a spiritual pep talk. I can call it that. Because I have gone with you through the preceding verses. If you were here last week, you will remember that the first part of Hebrews chapter 6 is a scalding portion of Scripture. It's the warning passage given by the Holy Spirit of God to correct the backslidden lives of those Hebrew converts. You do understand that sometimes the Word of God is sweet. And it is soft and it comforts and nurtures us. And sometimes it comes in like boiling water and scalds and corrects us. That's what happened last week in the first eight verses of Hebrews chapter 6. And so now as a good pastor would, the writer of Hebrews comes in and he gives a little pep talk to those that endured those first nine verses verses. We come now to this passage of Scripture. It's obvious that the writer of Hebrews loves his people. He doesn't get on to them because he's mad at them. He's just doing what the Spirit of God has told him to do. He's got a pastor's heart. He wants to see them become all that God saved them to be. And so in these next few verses, what he's going to do is is he going to give them a little push. Just a little push in the right direction. Sometimes all of us need a little push in the right direction, don't we? Amen. We need just a little nudge in the right direction. Somebody to come and help us when we get at a standstill. You ever had your battery run down and you need somebody to come? You say, I need somebody to jump me off. You ever been there? Y'all smile. Some of y'all need jumping off this morning. I can tell already. Sometimes we just need a little little jump start, a little encouragement. And that's what this passage of Scripture seems to be designed for. This morning, my prayer is to do for you folks what this pastor in Hebrews has done for them. Just to give you a little spiritual pep talk. A little energizer here at the end of this warning passage to encourage you. Uh, And that's what I pray the Word of God will do. I want to start just like the writer of Hebrews does. First of all, with just that, a word of encouragement. Look at verse number nine. That's what this is. It's a word of encouragement. He says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. Now, you'll remember in those first eight verses, he's just really chided them pretty good over the matter of backsliding. Their Christian life, hadn't really amounted to much of anything. They hadn't bore any fruit for the glory of God. But now he begins to encourage them. And he says, we're persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. What he's really saying here is he's saying, listen, I know you folks are kind of in a bad spiritual spot right now, but I'm persuaded it ain't going to stay this way. I, he doesn't say this, but I think what he's thinking is he's thinking, here, listen, if this is the last church I pastor and it kills me, it, it's just going to have to do it. Y'all are going to know where you're at spiritually, and you either going to get right or you're going to get rid of me one or the other. Somebody say amen. I think that's kind of where he's at right here. He says it's going to kill one of us, but we're going to get this thing right. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. You're not going to stay backslidden. You're not going to stay in that despondent, complacent place. We're going to get through this. And not just get through this, but we're going to move beyond this place to the place where we see those things that accompany salvation. And what he's telling them there is he's saying, some of y'all think that just being saved is just kind of getting out of hell. But that's all there is to it. And beloved, I want you to know that there's more to salvation than just getting out of hell. There's more that accompanies salvation. There's some things that happen. Paul said in the New Testament, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. When you get saved, Jesus goes to work on you. He begins to transform your life. And those things that accompany salvation become evident in your life. A lot of people think about the Christian life. They read the Bible and they say, well, preacher, that's just too hard. I'll never be able to live like Paul lived. Oh, preacher, I'll never be able to be the kind of Christian old John was. Preach, I'd never be able to do uh, what, what old Simon Peter did. It's just it's just too hard. Beloved, I want you to know when you think like that, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. You've all of a sudden started taking all the responsibility that living this Christian life is something that you've got to do. Here's what I want you to understand today. The Christian life is not a life you live at all. The Christian life is a life that is lived in you and through you. Is the life of Jesus Christ lived outside of you? People get this idea, well, being a Christian, now i just got to live as good as I can live. No, ladies and gentlemen, the best thing for you to do when you get saved is surrender your life to Jesus. Get out of the way and let Him take your vessel and do something with it. When you get fully surrendered. Then those things that accompany salvation will begin to appear in your life. And that's what he wants to encourage them about in verse number 10. He says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work of labor and your your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. You see, there was a time for these Hebrew believers when they used to be working for God. They used to serve God. They used to produce fruit for the glory of God. And he tells them, he says, listen, I want to encourage y'all right here. Y'all know that God's already been watching your life. God's already seen a lot of good things about your Christian life. God's been taking some notes of things that he wants to talk to you about one day. And he wants to reward you for one day. Did you know, beloved, that God is keeping a record of everything you do in his name and for his glory? Young persons, you know when you walk the halls at school and you're unashamed of Jesus, God writes that down. He writes it down for you just like He did for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He takes notice of that. You know the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16, a book of remembrance was written before God for those that feared the Lord. Listen, I want you to know today and be encouraged. God is keeping a record of the things you do in service to His holy name. Every time you serve Him, He writes it down. He he remembers it. Every time you minister to the saints, every time you pray for somebody, every time you encourage somebody, every time you bear somebody else's burden, every time you love on somebody in Jesus' name, God writes those things down because He plans to reward you for that labor and work of love. At the end of verse 10, He says, in that ye have ministered unto the saints and do minister. It wasn't that these people had stopped serving God altogether; They had just kind of slowed down. And he said, you know, we're in a place now. He told them a few verses earlier. He said, you know, I, there's stuff I need to tell y'all that y'all aren't mature enough yet to hear it because we're moving along too slow. And he's saying, uh, we need to pick up the pace. Any of y'all ever have a boss? I used to have a boss one time. He used to like to say, boys, it's time to get the lead out. Y'all know what he's talking about? Boys, it's time to pick up the pace. It's time to be moving along a little faster than what you're doing. He's not telling them that they're not moving at all. He's just saying you're not moving fast enough. You're moving too slow. You need to get a little push. because one, why. God is keeping a record of your life. God, God's not going to fail uh, to remember what you've done in the past. But what I believe he's saying right here is he's saying, church, we can't live, keep living off what we've done for God in the past. We can't. We can't. We've got a lot of living left to do. I hear people say sometimes, Well, preacher, you know I used to do this or that at the church. Well, that's good, but y'all come in real close. What have you done lately? Y'all all right? What you doing now? We've got plenty of people that used to do stuff. Let's stop. We need some people that are doing some stuff now. You say, "Well, I'm too old, preacher." We'll just go on and die then. (laughs) Oh, preacher, I'm just too old to do anything for God. Don't you reckon God would've sent you to heaven if you were useless? Look, turn to your neighbor and say, "You're not useless. You're not useless." As long as you got breathing and lung in your chest and a beating heart down there, you're not useless. Uh, you may not be able to do what you used to be able to do, but beloved, some of y'all senior adults. Now, I'm preaching to my senior adults, and you're some of the most faithful people in this church. I thank God for you. You're able to do right now what you couldn't do 35, 40, 50 years ago. Some of you today, you're more financially secure to do things in the work of the ministry. Some of you today have got wisdom you can pour into this ministry that you didn't have 50 years ago. Uh, So don't tell me you can't do anything because you're 70, 80, 90 years old. Oh, beloved, God's got a great, great work for you to do until the day you die. I believe it. Don't you believe it? I listened this week to my little sweet granddaddy. He's been in heaven, all oh, 10 or 15 years now. And uh, he, he's, you know, he's got people, his, his radio ministry and broadcast ministry is going all out over the Internet, all over Facebook, all over the radio. And I'm thinking here, if old brother Roy Smith can get it, still get it done for God and he's dead, some of y'all, some of y'all can still serve God. Amen. So be encouraged. Why serve God, preacher? Because God's given us a reward for serving Him. We ought, Listen, this time right here is time to be building up rewards in heaven. So, so get to build. i just give you a little spiritual pep talk. Just a pastor and his people. Now notice in verse number 11, he gives them a word of exhortation. This is where he kind of pushes them a little bit. He says in verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful. Now, these Hebrew Christians, they were on fire for God right after they first got saved. You didn't have to beg them to get in the choir and sing. You didn't have to beg them to come to Sunday school or to to give a little bit or to to go on a mission trip. You didn't have to beg them to do anything. In fact, they were looking for stuff to do right after they first got saved. You couldn't keep them out of church. You couldn't keep them from telling people about Jesus. Then you look at the end of verse 10. He tells them, he says, you need to show the same diligence. To the full assurance of hope unto the end. Now what he's talking here about is the end of the Christian life. And what he's saying, I believe, is he's saying to him, he's saying, Listen now, the, I, I, I've watched your life and I know there used to be a time in your life when you serve God with the end in mind. You, you used to be thinking about Jesus coming. In fact, down there at the church, boy, that same Jesus is coming. Soon you'd stand up and go, Praise God He is. But now you don't, you're not even moved by that like you used to be. Oh, they, 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 they sing down at the church, the King is coming, the King is coming. Yeah, but you don't get real enthused about it anymore. You, you quit living with a hope unto the end. In fact, some of you, some of you, have stopped thinking about the sweet by and by and all you're concerned with is the nasty now and now. You don't even think about eternity anymore the way you used to. And what he is saying here is that we desire that you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. In other words, don't lose sight of the fact that one day you're going to see Jesus. You used to think about but sometimes times pass now. And enough times pass, you just, you just ain't worried about it like you used to. And he's reminding them that indeed we are going to meet Jesus. And when we see Jesus, I want you to know, the love that we talk about getting over there in heaven and hugging Grandma and meeting Peter and James and John and, and going down to our mansion and kicking up the gold dust on streets of gold and all that's going to be wonderful. But, beloved, before you ever touch, That mansion of yours. Did you know that you're going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ? Which, as I understand it in the Bible, is going to be the most terrifying moment in the life of a child of God when we stand accountable for what we did with the Christian life. Paul talks about that moment and he says it's going to be a terrifying moment when we stand before our Maker. And he said, "Tommy Lawrence, what did you do for me after I saved you? Leroy Atchison, what did you do for me after I saved you? Chad Smith, since 1984, I put my Holy Ghost in you. What did you do for my glory?" And a lot of people on that day are going to say, "Oh God, I didn't. I didn't really think about doing much. Oh God, I used to. I used to serve you with passion, but Lord, I just kind of lost." Lost sight of the end. I just kind of got to living for myself. What really we're saying is we just got lazy. And that's what he says in verse 12. He says that you be not slothful. You know what a sloth is? Just lazy. It's the same word he used back there when he said they were dull of hearing. Dull, slothful. Same word in the Greek there. What he's saying is you got lazy. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be called lazy. There ain't nothing more insulting than to be called lazy. But they've gotten lazy. None of them wanted to hear it, but the truth hurts sometimes. They've gotten lazy. And he said, listen, I love you, and I'm here to encourage you and be your spiritual cheerleader, but let's just get honest We're not winning games like we used to because we done got lazy. I want to tell you, beloved, we used to run for Jesus. We used to witness for Jesus. We used to go for Jesus. What happened to us? We get lazy. Oh, we're not lazy about living. We just get lazy sometimes toward the things of God. Oh, we got plenty of energy to go out to that old ball field. Y'all all all right? We got plenty of energy to go out there to the lake. We got plenty of energy to go to the mountains because we say we need to rest. Some people live on a constant vacation. It's like like eternity's not going to be any rest for them because all they ever do is rest. And it gets quiet. But the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, That's what he's saying here. He's saying we don't need to be lazy in the work of God. As long as there's a a heartbeat in our chest, there's something all of us can do for the glory of God. Now, I don't know if you're lazy or not. I'm not here to... This is not right. This is shotgun preaching this morning. It's just kind of getting all of us, me included. Now, if the Holy Ghost picks up the rifle and zeroes in on you and says you're the man, you're the woman, you're not as passionate as you used to be, then then you just need to quit being so lazy and get back to work for God. Y'all smile at me. All right. He comes to the last verses of this passage, and he gives them lastly a word of example. A word of example. He says at the end of verse 12, "But Be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The word followers there in verse 12 means imitators. Imitators. In other words, he's saying that we ought to imitate the example of those faithful saints of God that have gone on before us. I'm thinking of one right now. I'm thinking of one dear, sweet brother named Bobby Freeman. I think about Brother Bobby when I first came here as pastor of this church and for as long as he could... Brother Terry, he had dragged that leg of his with all of his pain and all of his weakness and all of his ailment. And he had dragged that leg of his and he'd come to the house of God. And he absolutely did it as long as he could do it. Oh, what an example. Isn't that a good example to follow? Some people got two good legs and they will not get them up out of the recliner on Sunday afternoon to come back on Sunday night. And that dear brother, he would come in here. And then after he got to where he couldn't come. You know what I'd do on Sunday nights? I, I'd get on, I'd get on Highway 61 here not on my way home. And when I'd drive by his house, going back toward Dallas, I'd always see him. And I'd say, I need to call old Brother Bobby. And he'd look forward to it, Brother Terry, on Sunday night. Every Sunday night I'd call him and I'd say, Hey, Brother Deacon. He'd say, Hey, Brother Preacher. And I'd say, Let me tell you about today. And he said, Oh, I bet it was good. I wish they could have been there. And he'd always tell me, I'm going to try to be there next Sunday. I'm going to try to be there next Sunday. Oh, what an example. And you know, can I just tell you, there's a lot of Sundays, Brother Tommy, where I, I didn't feel real good. Some of them Sundays, you know, like you, I just get up and I'm tired on Sunday. And I, I think, well, you know, I could call somebody else to go down there and preach there. And I could just kind of lay in and rest. No, Nobody, nobody would think much if I just didn't want to go today. You know, i, I I'd, I'd call and just say, well, I'm sick. I don't feel like it. You know, i think about that. You, y'all don't ever get up on Sunday mornings and feel like that, do you? You know, what is it about Sundays? That's the one day we just feel like we all just lay in. Now, Monday, we don't even question. We know we've got to get up and go to work on Monday. But, you know, there for just a just a minute on Sunday mornings there in the twilight, we just think, you know, i just I just do real good to lay down and go back to sleep right here. But you get on up. Why? A lot of mornings I thought to myself, you know, if old Bobby Freeman can make it to church, I ain't going to sit at home. I'm looking across this congregation this morning, some dear saints of God, that there's people younger than you that done not quit coming to church. And they're blaming old age on it. You're an example. You're an example what he's saying to these believers, he says, now listen, let me tell you what's going to help you keep on keeping on. Get you some Bobby Freemans in your life. Get you some people that you've watched them serve God and be faithful. Think about that spiritual role model in your life It may have been a daddy or, or, a, or a mama or a precious grandparent. And they wasn't perfect. They had burdens to bear of their own. They had their own thoughts and shortcomings. But they kept on living for the Lord. They didn't quit. And beloved God, put those people in your life to be an example for your life. You say, well, I, I, I just don't know how I can be like Jesus. Well, just be like Bobby Freeman. Just be like Bobby Freeman. Why? Because Bobby Freeman was like Jesus. He tried to live like Jesus. I'd use him as an example, but you've got a Bobby Freeman in your life. You've got a person like that in your life that loved the Lord, and God put him there to be your example. But I'm going to tell you something else that ought to challenge your heart. Did you know that God put you in somebody else's life to be their example? I'm glad old Bobby Freeman was a good example for this preacher. I'm glad he set an example for me. But I wonder who's God made me the example for? Who's God made you the example for? Am I going to fail them as their example? What if somebody sets their eyes on me and says, well, I'm going to be just like old Brother Shad? Well, I don't want to let them down. Oh, we'll, we'll use. We'll do this. I think it I think it's kind of falsely humble to be honest with you, but. We'll say a lot of times, oh, don't look at me, just look at Jesus. best I understand Scripture, if you're living for Jesus, you ought to be able to tell people, look at me. Follow me. Follow me. I'm not going to leave you wrong. Why do we tell people, don't look at me? Because we're just not up to the task of living for God the way we're supposed to be so that people can follow us. Y'all with me? He, he says here, Find you an example. Be followers of them who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. And then in verse 13, He tells them who their example was. It was oh Abraham. Oh, Abraham, boy, his life was up and down, wasn't it? I mean, he, he made mistake after mistake after mistake. He was guilty at times of not trusting God. But you know, little boy, he... he The whole of his life, you know, we were talking to Sunday school this morning, those of you that are in the Sunday school class, we were talking about how God doesn't just grade your life on a snapshot. There's some bad snapshots in all Abraham's life. But you take the whole of his life, he, he ultimately, he trusted God. He kept on trusting God, kept on living for God. And God fulfilled the promise in Abraham's life. What God's Word is saying to these Hebrews is He's saying, Look at yourself. You're the proof that God kept His promise to Abraham. You just keep living for God like Abraham did. And God will do for you what He did for Abraham. You got the example. Just do what Abraham did. If I could sit down with some of you today, you could tell me stories of examples God put in your life. Maybe a godly mom or a godly daddy or a godly grandparent. A lot of those people had a time in their life, like some of you are having right now, where they kind of slowed down. But they, but they got up in the hump and they just kind of kept on going, kept on going, and kept living for God. And they didn't quit. They kept on keeping on. They had examples in their life. They had people they were looking to. I'm, I'm not sure whether or not they thought that their life would be an example to you, but it is. It is today. Some of you, today, you've got kids that are watching your life. You've got grandkids that are watching your life. They do what they do because they see you do. I remember when my, my son was just a little bit fellow. I told this story, I think, not long ago, but I'll share it again. We got some videos of John. he wasn't no higher than, wasn't in his eyes, his poor kid. He'd stand up, Brother Gary, on the fireplace. One, in the middle of the week, he'd come out of his bedroom with a, he, he had a little red coat, a little red suit jacket. He'd go put on a, a, on a white shirt and have a little blue clip-on tie. And he'd put that jacket on and he'd come in there with his little pocket New Testament Bible and he couldn't hardly talk. He'd just get up on the fireplace and scream. He'd holler and he he wouldn't say much and then he'd say, Amen! Where do you reckon he learned how to get up and holler and say, Amen? He'd been watching somebody. I wonder how many other things he's watched in my life down through the years. Bad things that he's picked up on. People are watching us. People are watching you. I wonder, Daddy, if your kids want to go exactly where you go, where's your kids going to spend eternity? Mamas, if you got a daughter that says I want to be just like mama in every way, if she does indeed follow mama that way, where's mama gonna leave her anytime? I sure hope to know my life as
0: somebody Thank you for joining us today. Pointing the way is a ministry of Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. If you would like to contact the ministry, You may write, Pointing the Way, 120 Northside Church Road, Dallas, Georgia, 30132. Or visit us on the web at www.northsidedallas.com. Until next time, open God's Word to point the way for direction in your life.